Hello and welcome to episode 178 of SMARTS, which as you know stands for Somnambulistic Midnight Activities Reveal Trance-Like Status. Okay. <laughs> it's it's a generic one, but but it applies. It applies. To what? We'll talk about our shows later. Okay. Okay. Um, so I am Julia Gulia of Internet Fame, Dash Podcaster, and with me as always is Trevor, aka Rudiger Q Podcaster. Ah. Hello. Hi. <laughs> you took your time on that one. Okay. Yes. So, uh, intro over. Time for news. Okay. So we have a little bit of news. Um, I guess the news the news machine is spinning back up. So we have some more casting news for Stargirl. So DC has announced that actor Luke Wilson, Mm -hmm. uh, been in a bunch of stuff, you know, younger brother of Owen Wilson, but has been in a bunch of stuff himself, is going to be playing uh, Pat Dugan, a.k.a. Stripe, on Stargirl for DC Universe. I'm a fan of his. I haven't seen him in a lot. Um, I mean, sorry, in a long time. But what do you know him from? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I look back over the movies he's been in this morning, and I I recognize a lot of the names of stuff he, stuff he's been in, but I'm not sure I've seen any of them. I've so seen I've seen a good my deal introduction of stuff. To him. Uh, he was in a cute movie with Drew Barrymore back in the day when that was a thing that was nice. Back when every other movie that came yeah, out was, was a cute movie with, with Drew, Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. Yeah, yeah, very true. Exactly, that was very in vogue at the time. Or an Adam Sandler comedy. Yeah, true. Although that that movie Fifty First Dates, I actually liked that one. It was cute. Um, that was the that was the. Um, no, it was the word I'm looking for. The uh, the singularity when you had a cute comedy with Drew Barrymore and an Adam Sandler comedy at the same time. Um, so Jeff John said that, and I didn't know this. I'm not sure he's ever said this publicly. That when he um, sort of not created but recreated, I guess you could say, the Pat Dugan character for the Stars and Stripe miniseries, because of course, as we've said before, he's a character that goes back to the. 40s being the original stripesy psychic the star spangled kid but when he created like the modern version of him reinvented him as like middle-aged stepdad to courtney whitmore he had luke wilson in his mind as like the model for the character yeah so it's so cool now that he gets to actually have him play that character you told me that and it's just the coolest thing ever it's funny because if you go back and look at what luke wilson looked like 15 years ago when when Jeff Johns was writing the series, I mean, now he looks like Pat Dugan because mm-hmm. now he looks like a guy in his late forties, early fifties. But at the time, he didn't. So it, it's a little surprising to me that you know this, oh, this early thirties movie star is what he was pictured as this kind of like brawny yet schlubby uh, middle aged suburban stepdad that's guy. That's really cool. That's whatever. Really funny. <laughs> I don't know. I I actually have a fun related story for trivia night for anybody who wants to know. But um, Margaret Mitchell, who wrote Gone with the Wind, actually pictured Clark Gable as the protagonist when she was writing the role of. Rhett Butler and when they converted into a movie like that's who they wound up casting for that movie so because Luke Wilson was unavailable <laughs> yes absolutely Not, predated his was, wouldn't be born for another his, 50 years yeah um so no, it's just a fun fact I don't know so in other news we have uh the cast for the upcoming animated movie uh Justice League versus the Fatal Five Woo-hoo. and uh there's gonna be a lot of people in there you know people playing the Fatal Five and playing the Legion of Superheroes but what caught my eye is that a couple of things. First of all, the character designs and the preview images are very are obviously Bruce Tim character designs. So I'm it's the first I think that we've learned that this is not going to be part of the whole ongoing continuity of these DC animated movies, but it's going to be its own thing using the Bruce Tim designs. Mm-hmm. And as such, it looks like they bring back some classic cast members too, because George Newbern, Kevin Conroy, and Susan Eisenberg are going to be playing 
uh, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. The in this. Trinity. Um, yeah, so that'll be it'll be fun to hear that. I mean, Kevin Conroy still plays Batman. Pier- I actually, they all still play the characters periodically because I think in video, even just in uh, Injustice Two, the video game that came out a couple of years ago, all yep. three of them were in it. So. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be the first time in 10 years they've ever... But yeah, it'll yeah. be the first time... Well, I guess that counts as a project they were all in. But I think it'll be the first time in um, in an actual um, animated Film. project, yeah. like something aside from a video game that they've all been in, in in quite a while, actually. I'm not even sure the last time. Because there were a couple of times when uh, Tim Daly returned to Superman and Kevin Conroy and Susan Eisenberg were in it also. But it's been a long time since George, George Newbern specifically... And Kevin Conroy and Susan Eisenberg were uh, were all in something together. Um, and the other thing that's noteworthy about this movie is that it will introduce uh, Jessica Cruz as Green Lantern, um, and she hasn't been in much um, at all. I think the only thing she's been in has been in some of the DC Superhero Girls shorts. Oh, okay. I know she's been in some of the DC Superhero Girls spinoff comics. I think she's also been in some of the shorts. But um, this, but this s- will be her first time in more older length. skewing. Um, Animated stuff. Yeah, fe- a feature-length animated film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so we, she's on her way to live actions. <laughs> Give it another 20 years. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> we know that Jeff Johns is writing a Green Lantern Corps movie. Um, <gasps> I, I think that, but everybody says that's going to be like a Hal Jordan, John Stewart, buddy cop thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean, he, he loves all, I mean, he created Jessica Cruz. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if he found some way of hinting at or setting up for like some future movie characters like Jessica and Simon and stuff It would like be that. a really cool surprise to have her appear in there, like as a new rookie or whatever. Anyway. Yeah, but then they'd have to get into the whole thing of why are there multiple Green Lanterns from, why are there like seven Green Lanterns from Earth and why there's only one or two from every other okay, planet. Okay, A, so. he could solve that problem. And B, that's not a big deal. That's not yeah. a big hurdle. Um, but anyway. So we also learned this week that Star Wars Resistance has been picked up for season two. Yay! Um, and so it'll premiere Sweet. apparently later this year. So saying that it's been picked up for season two makes it sound like it just happened. But if the season two is premiering later this year, that means that it's, <laughs> it's behind the scenes. Up. It's been picked up like a year ago. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and then we also learned um, from some interviews with um, Star Trek head honcho Alex Kurtzman that in, uh, that they're planning not just the Star Trek Lower Decks animated series, which we've talked about before, but there's also another uh, ongoing animated project in the works. So Lower Decks won't be the only uh, animated series that, uh, that'll be in, set in the Star Trek world. Mm-hmm. And he also mentioned that they're... Um, I guess the short tracks have been a success, so they're going to do more short tracks. And he hinted that the next couple of short tracks will will themselves be animated. So like the short tracks going forward will be a mixture of live action mm-hmm. shorts and animated shorts. And the ongoing series coming out will be a mixture of, you know, the Picard one, which will obviously be live action, Discovery, which will continue to be live action, and Lower Decks and whatever this other animated project is they're working on um, will, be, will also be animated also awesome and then they reiterated a couple of the rumors that there there's a rumor going around that there might be a um michelle yo starring uh mirror georgiou mm-hmm. spinoff mm-hmm. or i guess it could be like a younger prime universe georgiou spinoff and then the one that's been going around for a long time which is like some sort of star trek uh, starfleet academy spinoff focusing on young, younger characters but there's no confirmation of that yet but this is the first confirmation that they're planning a second animated series as well as more short treks that'll be animated so mm-hmm. It looks like, I, th- I mean, the timetable for that is not, it's not like um, animation is faster to do than live action, but it's almost certainly cheaper um, when done. I mean, if you're, do- if you're Pixar or whatever, then maybe not. But at the budget, they're probably going to be throwing it an animated short track. It's probably faster to 
well, not faster. Like I said, probably probably cheaper and and simpler to to plan out and do something like that rather than do a short trek where you've got to get a bunch of mm-hmm. actors and design new sets and so on. I mean, one of the one of the um, criticisms of a couple of the short tracks has been that they felt kind of empty. Like mm-hmm. the the Tilly one is the pe- one that people point to where they came up. They had a reason, but it was just like Tilly. You for most of the show was it was almost like a two person thing it was just tilly in the the stowaway i was like where is everybody else on the ship right now and they had some line in, in there about how they were like decontaminating the decks or whatever it's like they had to come up with some reason why all the other cast members weren't there mm-hmm. whereas in the other episodes it worked a bit better because they weren't focused i mean there was literally a whole episode where the point was craft is the only guy on board the discovery right mm-hmm. so they they built their lack of casting budget into the premise mm-hmm. but if if it's going to be a problem going forward to tell stories that look as good as they want them to look, but they can only afford to have two or three speaking actors in each episode, mm-hmm. it makes more sense to do it animated because then, I mean, it's it's not free to have the animators draw or CG animate. I suppose it could be CG a bunch of other characters into the background, but it, at least you can populate the ship with, you know, make make it look bustling and mm-hmm. make it look, you know, like a real thing is happening without having to pay 50 extras and make them put them in makeup and uniforms and so okay, on. Fair. So it is a bit more practical if you want to do a, a short, simple story to do it with animation rather than live action. So it doesn't surprise me, actually, that they're doing a mix mix with that. Cool. And we, we don't know when those are coming out, although they, they, they made it sound like the animated short tracks might be coming later this year. But unless they've been working on them for a while, like I said, that would be an awfully quick turnaround, unless they've been working on them for six months or something already. Um, of course, this is only January, mm-hmm. so later this year could mean December, in which case you could probably turn around an eight-minute short in 11 months, depending on how lavish the animation is and whether the, whether they had already gotten a bit of a head start on the design on work plan. and so on like that. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, i got to imagine they've got a lot of... If, the, if it's CG, it would be faster... I wonder if it's going to be CG or, or I mean, I, I still love traditional, like calling it cell animation. They don't actually animate on cells anymore, but hand-drawn animation versus mm-hmm. CG animation. But CG animation can be more, has its own complexities. But once you have all the all the 3D models designed and everything else, then it can be cheaper to to increment that. Unless like they get different artists do... for each one, you know. Like, for example, I'm thinking of the... Um... Oh, they would never do that. You're no, thinking of like the, think so. the Animatrix or something like that, where yeah. they would do... you nailed it. Each, That's exactly what I was about to Each thing reference. had its own... No, because then, again, like those were those were the Wachowski brothers just throwing money at... Mm-hmm. at different it, animators. To, to do different animators, because they grew up loving these different animation studios. But the the reason why CBS would be making some of these... It, there's a lot of reasons to do a, um, an animated uh, Star Trek series, because mm-hmm. it's its own thing, and it's, it gives it a unique identity and so on. But if they're if they're taking the short tracks, which were conceived as being live action, and deciding to now make some of them animated, I think they're probably just doing it for efficiency reasons. Mm-hmm. And I think that that would then be undone by having it be complete, each one be completely different, new character designs, new animation studio, new whatever. I mean, they can outsource it to multiple Fair. animation studios, but there's no way they're going to do multiple sets of character designs and different casts and whatever else they would have to do. It's it's all going to be uniform. So my guess would be a sort of um, a stripped down CG look, kind yeah. of like the, the, the Star Wars, like kind of like Star Wars Rebels or even like Resistance if they want to give it kind of a cel-shaded look. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be interesting, but I, I don't know. I, I Pardon me, would like to see... Um, cell animation or like traditional hand-drawn animation but again that can be a lot more time intensive than than cg stuff depending on what you're doing so i don't know we'll have to wait and see yep and that's it for the news it's a great bit of news so what's your comic of the week so this week i picked something quite unexpected (laughs) i picked unexpected number eight i see what you did there (laughs) thank you um 
this issue was awesome. It was a great conclusion. Conclusion? What's that? It was a great conclusion to the story arc we've been reading about so far where, what's his name, Neon? Um, and the other guy, Captain Cowboy Hat. Evil eye. Cowboy hat, evil eye. Such unforgettable, and, indelible characters yes. that have that have worked their way into your heart over the past eight months. <laughs> yes. Well, it was a great story arc. And then they're fighting that Mandrak guy, whatever his name is. Um, is that his name? That's it, yeah. Well, he was created by Grant Morrison for Final Crisis, so he's, he's automatically an awesome character, but... I like it. I like it a lot. Um, that guy is in full vampire mode and he seemingly killed the those two guys and then in the pit of i don't know destruction or fiery hell bent something something afterlife <laughs> um they decide to team up and neon decides is that his name or am i yeah, getting that's it, it. okay um he realizes that as a force of creation he can't be fighting against um cowboy hat what's his name uh nope can't find it what is his name um, well, they call him the Bad Samaritan. There you go. Al- Alton Quench, I think, is his his well, name. I, I like all of that. <laughs> but I'm going to call him Cowboy Hat Evil Eye. So Cowboy Hat Evil Eye um, is a force of destruction. And it's sort of like Ying fighting Yang, which is never going to end well. So, or end at all, because that's the nature of their relationship. So he says that he, can't, he shouldn't, he, he can't and he shouldn't fight against him and the real enemy is this truly destructive, um, all-encompassing dark force, which uh, they both should fight together. So they basically come back from the dead in this issue and lay down some serious, serious whoop-ass. And it was a whole lot of fun. So that's why I picked it for my comic of the week. Mm-hmm. Mandrax got an awesome origin too, which they they sort of referenced here a little bit, but you really have to read Grant Morrison's... Um... Final Crisis, Superman Beyond, two-issue series to get His the whole thing. His fate at the end of this is so intriguing. I am, I'm yeah, looking forward to, to seeing what, what, be followed what up leads. On. Yeah, but the, the, man, the Mandrake thing is cool because they, they had the idea that when the monitors first came into existence, there was, there was nothing. Like, they were there and it was like this void. And mm-hmm. so they had their little structure that they lived in or whatever, but everything else around them was just... Empty. Was just white. Mm-hmm. And of course, Grant Morrison has this whole thing where like the DC universe is like the printed page or whatever. So white is like just, you know, it's sure. like the page when nothing's been laid down on it yet. But then eventually this little imperfection appeared in the white. And the first monitor, Dax Novu, was sent to investigate the imperfection. But the, inf- the, the imperfection grew and like crystallized and became the multiverse. Whoa. So, so it, it became, you know, the multiverse. And Dax Novu went in there like a like you know mm-hmm. an explorer, but the this so Morrison was doing this whole thing about how like stories can like stories change. can be like transmitted and like can change. And so so it's like our our universe and the like our universe being like an an unexpected um, growth in the in the in creation um, or say our universe, but like. Anything like story, like story mm-hmm. was unexpected. Story was like a, a unique happenstance that wasn't supposed to happen. And and with the first story, the first, you know, with the first people came the first stories, and then came the first universes. And as soon as the first stories happened, there began to be divergent stories, which mm-hmm. is how you end up with a multiverse. A multiverse. And so Dax Novu went in there, but the the 
the um but was unprepared for like what he was going to experience there and uh-huh. so the 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 idea of story and of like free will and all these other things like infected him Ooh. and so when he when he came back he was no longer like this this shining prime monitor he'd become mandrak like the dark monitor because he had been transformed by his experiences and so he was like the first and greatest monitor but he was he was changed by his experiences in this multiverse that was never supposed to exist and so he sees he sees everything he he knows like the the truth that like all of these characters are not that they're fictional but because there's not really any difference from that perspective between fiction and reality reality is just all of reality is fiction to them because they existed before the entire concept of of sure. fiction or reality or universes or whatever so all of all of this is like some sort of weird aberration to him that's not supposed to exist uh-huh. and so he's trying to you know tear it all down and, and remold it, or at the very least remold it in his image but he's got so it was this cool way of creating like you always had the monitor and the anti-monitor but he thought it would be morrison thought it would be so you had like the you had the the original monitor and then you had like this antimatter version of him but when yep. he came along and said okay there's this whole race of monitors one for every earth and so that was the thing like originally there was just one monitor but once the once the multiverse started to multiply then the monitors themselves began to change to each reflect a different earth in the multiverse so he was so dax nova was like the original prime monitor that was not really affected hadn't really began to diverge yet but was like directly exposed to the idea of story and it mutated him in this way so i don't know it's i'm I'm not not really doing it justice but it was not this awesome thing in final crisis that really set him up as this sort of meta enemy you know like yeah. he doesn't just want to he's not trying to rob banks or even kill everybody he's he he existed before the entire concept of existence in a way and he's trying to do what right. he's trying to do so anyway they, they touched on this here a little bit when he talked about how he talked about well, what was the phrase he used like your your triptych multiverse or whatever yes. which i thought was interesting like it's 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 a reference to like this to sequential storytelling basically like you know you right you know the way the way that it kind of grew. I had to look that word up. Grew and multiplied, <laughs> oh, multiplied, un- and yet is also sort of sequential. Mm-hmm. And so you'll see you'll see like a three p- uh, a piece of art which has three parts, often called a triptych, right? right. Mm-hmm. So you, if you look at a panel that has like a three by three a page that has like a three by three grid or something, anyway, it was a way of it was the way of the writer sort of having Mandrak reference the fact that he's aware of the 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 nature of storytelling that mm-hmm. is at the root of the DC universes. And so he sees, you know, he references yeah. like oh, I was a- around long before your triptych multiverse, and it was just the white, the white void, and the original. So he references some of that stuff, but it probably didn't mean much to you. But that's sort no, of no, it was a, it was. His, I had to look up his words basic and backstory, sort of so. taking new information. Yeah. yeah. When we get when we get through done reading all of Grant Morrison's JLA, we'll move on to his to his crazy stuff like Animal Man and Final Crisis and all that stuff. Nice. So you'll see, you'll read all that eventually. <laughs> um, so my comic of the week was Young Justice number one. Excellent. Oh, so I was I, wondering if you'd pick that. I really enjoyed this because, you know, I've been saying for, for literally years now on the show that one of the big holes still remaining in the DC universe along with like the JSA and the Legion is the, the lack of the whole Tim, Connor, Bart, Cassie generation of heroes. And Rebirth has given us a recognizable Tim Drake again. And just recently we got Bart Allen back coming out of the whole Flash War storyline. But yep. Cassie's been MIA since the New 52. And that version of her wasn't really her anyway. It wasn't really recognizable as her. Right. And the ver- the, especially the version in the New 52 of Superboy had the same sort of clone genetic uh, engineering origin but was like character wise in terms of the specifics of his backstory was really not not the version of superboy that people responded to so you know you've got you've had tim tim was really well served by recent stories in detective comics and stuff but you really want to see this team 
get back together and you wanted to see like the the real Connor Kent Superboy and and alongside Impulse and Robin and so on. So so here comes Bendis, you know, straight off of his action comics and Superman runs and and um he brings them all together. So Tim seemingly is just Robin again because he only has the one R on his yeah, instead uh, of uniform. Robin, yeah. So I guess they're just going, well, if there can be multiple flashes and multiple Green Lanterns, we can have two people named Robin at the same time. Sure. That doesn't really, you know. And I wonder if kind of like since Damien is now sort of like off doing his own um, uh, sort of off the book stuff with mm-hmm. his Teen Titans group, you know, like secretly imprisoning villains in his little dungeon that he's doing over oh, there with right, Teen Titans yeah. mm-hmm. um, that maybe Tim is back to being like the official Robin and Damien is now sort of like persona non grata within the Bat family I don't know that needs clarification but it could just be that he decided to call himself Robin again yeah it doesn't really go. matter um, Bart's back you know at a flash war and here they team up with uh, Wonder Girl again and at the very end Bart finds Superboy in seemingly in Gem World and we're introduced to a couple of new characters so we're introduced to Ginny Hex um, and Teen Lantern mm-hmm. um, and we know that uh, they're going to be on the team along with uh, Amethyst who's the princess of Gem World and this whole story is framed around the representatives of the major houses of Gem World mm-hmm. um, attacking Earth and they, they refer to like the fact that Earth has gone through seven crises mm-hmm. and that and because Earth is like the cap is is like the center of whatever that it's affecting Gem World in ways that they hadn't really understood before and so they need to put a stop to Earth. So immediately my continuity brain starts thinking like how literal are, is Bendis being here? Is it mm-hmm. just mean that there have been seven things that happened on Earth that affect them? Or is he saying that there's literally been seven continuity altering crises in DC Comics and each of those has had like a ripple effect on Gem World because I'm like, well, crisis on infinite Earths. There was zero hour and infinite crisis and you know, what else, what else counts? Does... I guess Flashpoint probably counts, and I'm going through trying to list them in my head. Right? It sure. might not be that li- he might not be that literal, but it could be that literal. The idea that because because Jeff Johns has had some of this stuff in his in his stuff too, like Earth Zero, the main DC Universe Earth, is the Earth that all the other 52 Earths sort of um, diverged from. diverged from. Yeah. And so when something changes on Earth Zero, those changes are often reflected. And mm-hmm. the continuities of the other Earths. So if Gem World exists, and I think I need to look at Grant Morrison's multiverse map again. I'm not sure if Gem World is on there, but he, but if it exists somewhere within the conception of the multiverse and not some weird other dimensional plane or whatever, then I imagine the same would hold true there. So he could be being literal about it that there have been seven times that DC Universe continuity was massively altered, and each of those times Gem World experienced the effects, and they're only just now realizing it. Or it could just be something. Crisis might just be a word that he chose. It might not be that literal sure um so that's why these people are attacking and the team gets together to stop them so i mean the art patrick gleason's art was a lot of fun i think he he especially um has a lot of fun with the scenes with impulse yes, um, yes. and he said that what he's trying to do with impulse like he, he doesn't want to do the thing where you know you see the the speed trail going around and like a, a speedster is zipping around because we've all seen that before and even that seems like he'd be moving too fast to really be able to see much of anything so instead he's he's having like multiple um multiple like repeated images of Bart but not him like in mid run but him like doing something where he's standing still yeah. so he'll instead of just showing Bart running all the time you'll see like a panel that'll have three Barts and in one of them because here he was like trying to rescue a bunch of animals and stuff from mm-hmm. the disaster so you don't see him running and grabbing stuff necessarily you see like one of him like holding a turtle and there's like a scorpion on a turtle or something and then yeah. there's another one like he's doing this thing where he's showing like just repeated images of him and the only time you see him is when he's not moving at super speed mm-hmm. as opposed to what we're used to seeing which is like a speedster mid-stride with yeah. the speed trails behind him um and he has a lot of fun with with robin flipping around and doing other stuff too so i really enjoyed it it's fun to see these characters back together and they're, they're all written well they're all you know in character and they're it looks like it's going to be a fun bright book the only thing that 
that uh, gave me pause a little bit was the uh, the continuity aspect of it because I'm like, well, the previous comics in, the, in Rebirth had established that Tim doesn't remember that Connor existed, mm-hmm. and none of these characters should remember that they were on a team called Young Justice together before, and yet they all seem to now remember Connor, and Bart says, Young Justice is back, and they're all like, oh, you know, we're a team again. So I'm like... I, if, if they want to just do the thing that Rebirth did at the be, at the beginning of Rebirth, they did a lot of stuff where like just ignore some of the new Fifty Two stuff. Just imagine that that all these characters remember their histories again. They did they did a lot of that stuff, but it seems like it's kind of too late to do that now because we've already had years worth of Rebirth co- comics establishing that in the case of these characters and this specific team, none of them did remember that. So to have them now, several years into Rebirth, suddenly remember with no explanation that there had been Young Justice seems strange. But I think Bendis has commented on Twitter that that um, there's a story behind why each of the characters is in the state that they're in when the series opens. And he's going to get to that gradually. So I think there might be it might be part of the story why Connor is now suddenly back, mm-hmm. albeit on Gem World. Yep. And why... Tim now remembers this team and Bart is here and remembers this team. Like, I think there's, that's part of the story. So my only quibble then with that in hindsight would be that I wish there had been something in this first issue to hint to us, the attentive reader, that there's something off about the fact that they now all remember each other. But I can only get so annoyed by that because I think that for the purposes of a new number one issue, you know, Bendis especially being now at DC Comics and hopefully you know, attracting a lot of readers from his Marvel stuff to come read his DC stuff. I would, I, I understand the desire not to bog down a new first issue with a lot of continuity stuff like, oh, this character doesn't remember this character, but that's because of the Flashpoint where this, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like they were on a team together. They remember each other. They're all getting back together, go. And then once you, the reader is sort of bought in, then you can tell stories about, well, you see they actually forgot the team, but now you can, you know. Yep. So I think that some of that stuff is coming. Even if it's not addressed here, I think it'll probably be addressed elsewhere because... This is the kind of thing that somebody has to address eventually or else the fans never let them stop, never, never stop asking about it. Mm-hmm. So I, there was there was one time at Marvel where Bendis had in one of his Avengers issues, he had like a character, a mysterious character, like behind a door or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the the plot, like Bendis decided not to follow up on that. But for like 10 years after that, every time he would do an interview or a panel or a con or whatever. People were like, when are you going to reveal who was behind that door or something like that? He's like, <laughs> it's not like that was, just, we decided not to do that story. Like never, but the fans just will not let, and that was just such a minor thing compared to yeah. something like this, where you have major characters who had years of adventures together, but then it was a major story point that they forgot all that. So I feel like this is comparatively, you know, you've got to address it eventually. So I don't know how they're going to do it, but. It's nice to hear that he has an answer in his back pocket. Um, for from my point of view, I, I really enjoyed this comic, this first issue. I love a good setup issue. I really love the energy of it, um, and the enthusiasm with which was it Bart Allen that said this? We're gonna, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. We're uh, Young Justice is back. Yeah, like, that was it. And I was like, wait a minute, why do you remember? Like that, yeah. that I, I feel like that was sort of holding me back a little bit from enjoying the issue. The, fir- it on the first it was definitely like, was... hello, fourth wall. Nice to see you. Let's just break right through this. Well, it's no, it's way. not. It's not the fourth wall necessarily. I mean, if you were, if you were, if we were on the Justice League and there hadn't been a Justice League for years, and then all the members got back together, yeah, right. you would and say the Justice League is back, sure. right? Like, unlike yeah. in the cartoon, Young Justice is actually what the team calls itself. Oh. That explains that. Okay. I did not know that. You thought he was just saying the name of the book? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I, I, yeah. Like if Superman (laughs) turned to the reader and said, Action Comics is back? Like something like that? Yeah. Exactly. That's That's exactly how I read it. Yes. Um, Okay. Well, and now I know that. (laughs) But I, I still like the energy of it. And I, um, 
as for me, having multiple um, characters in different books in different situations is not a new thing for me. So I didn't even bump on different versions of Tim and all this stuff. Like I didn't, I know that DC is doing its best to integrate the continuities across, or I should say continuity one across multiple books and across multiple stories as best they can but like what you just said about Damien having being off on his adventures like nobody cares that he also has his own set of adventures with Superboy in Super Sons well no but they actually did have to so I mean I I know what you mean and obviously we've had to get used to different versions of characters but but DC generally tries to keep I mean all the all the stuff we read with the exception of Things which I, re- you know, remind you are like, this is out of continuity. This is un- like the, the Batman Damned yeah. books or whatever else we're reading, like, or the Supergirl being super miniseries or whatever. Like, by and large, all the regular monthly books we read are all, are all part of the main continuity. So when something like this comes up that's a discrepancy, you're either supposed to be, you're either supposed to notice it or you can't be blamed for noticing it. Like, Got you're it. not just, you, I mean, so I you're not supposed to just gloss over it. You can, you know, if you want to just, gl- there are people who are like, that's me. They, it doesn't bother them. They don't even notice it. They just yeah, take each story on its own merits. That's me. But I mean, you can only take that so far. Like it was, it was Young Justice was a series that ran for years, and those characters were so iconic together. And are you talking about the the animated series? Or no, are you talking I'm about the comics? Really, the comics now. Okay. Um, just verifying. That for was those a series that ran know. ran for years, and it's a classic, iconic run. And the fact that when they did the New Fifty Two, all those characters were unrecognizable and didn't remember each other anymore. Yep. Was a was a big thing. I mean, we've talked over and over again about how grateful we are that when Wally, the classic Wally West came back, all the original Titans regained their memories of of growing yeah. up together. It's like how how essential that is for Dick Grayson's character, Donna Troy's character, Roy Harper's character, sure. Wally West character. Understood. It's like it's like that. But for these characters, if Bart, uh, Tim, the, it 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 sticks in the reader's craw because Tim Drake would not be the the Tim Drake we've been reading about ever since Rebirth started. That's that's recognizably Tim Drake, but a Tim Drake that that didn't grow up being part of Young Justice would not be that Tim Drake anymore. So it, it's like there's the something's missing. You I understand. Know? I guess I, I should clarify. Like I I know that DC is saying that all the continuity, all these stories do take place in the same continuity, but I guess time is more fluid than anything. So the fact that they're remembering something. I mean, look at Doomsday Clock, for example. Like, that's supposed to be set in a different time further on down. So, I mean, I'm I'm used to seeing multiple versions of the same person in different si- scenarios yeah, I mean, and situations. That's explicitly set a year in the future. So yeah. Can, so presumably everything will line up with that. I mean, eventually. that's just one example. But I guess I guess my my issue here, if they if they'd had the team, if if when Rebirth started, when we started reading the comics together, if they'd had a, a Young Justice series. And they're like, okay, they everybody remembers each other now because yep. forget the new fifty two. Yeah. They did that a lot. Like they did that a lot when when Rebirth started. A lot of classic stuff came back with no explanation. Just the classic stuff is back. Forget the new fifty two. Right. That was their chance to do that, and they didn't do it with the Young Justice characters. Right. And they kept saying we're gonna we're we're, we're holding off on that. We're holding off on that till we have the right creators who are really passionate about it, and we want to tell a great story. So now we're finally getting that years into Rebirth. But we've already gotten years worth of rebirth stories with mainly Tim Drake, yep. where it was an actual story point over and over again that he didn't remember Connor Kent specifically or right. being on a team with these other characters. Yeah. And now that they, we finally get a Young Justice title, it's like none of that ever happened, and they suddenly all do remember each other. 
I so that, that's the jarring part. If they if they'd done what they did with say the Titans, where at the beginning of Rebirth they made it a story point where now they all remember each right, other again. Right, because while he went around, it's yeah, something about the physical and, contact. Uh, because it's been memories, a repeated yeah. story point in Rebirth that there are me- missing memories and missing years. Yeah, we've been trained now to to understand that that is an important story point that yep. has to do with Doctor Manhattan and Doomsday Clock and everything. Yep. So now when one one instance of that, the fact that Tim Drake can't remember his best friend. And is, just suddenly, is just yeah. suddenly gone. Undone, yeah. We're like, wait a minute, I thought that Which was important. Yeah. So, so I think they've kind of trained us to think that that's important. So that's why, that's the only reason why. If it was like all of a sudden, I, there's uh, a million, to, million examples of characters suddenly remembering the past clear. history and it doesn't really matter, but yeah. yeah. So should we move on to your quiz? I'm ready. Okay, so this week I'm going to be quizzing you about Superboy. Oh, okay. In accordance with our Young Justice comic we just talked about. Excellent. Are you ready? Kind of. As ready as I'll ever be. Okay. Okay. And what year did the clone Superboy debut? Oh. Uh, 1977. You think he debuted with his fade haircut and little round sunglasses and leather jacket and all that stuff in 1977? He would have been wearing like bell bottoms and... He was ahead of his time. 1993. Yes. Did you just see that on the screen? No. That was a shot in the dark. I'll give you a half point for getting it after my... Hint. Hint. Okay. All right. Number two. What major storyline was his introduction a part of? Oh, major storyline. Uh. No, I don't know. You do know. You've just forgotten. Major storyline. I mean, they made a. I think he was the storyline, wasn't he? Because they made a clone. And Lex Luthor's DNA needed to be in there or not. I don't know, depending on the version. And then he joined the Young Justice people. That's, I don't know. He debuted as part of the Death and Return of Superman storyline. He was one of the four potential Superman replacements that appeared after Superman died. Along with Steel and the Eradicator and the Cyborg Superman. Wow. If I ever knew that, it left my subconscious. All right, number three. Yes. What organization created him? Cadmus. Correct. Number Yay. four. Uh-huh. What, what Kryptonian name is he eventually given by Superman? Connorell. Connell. <laughs> Connorell. Connorell. All right, number five. In his early years, what power did he use to mimic most of Superman's powers? What power did he use to mimic Superman's powers? Mm-hmm. Are you talking about those patches that Luther gave him? Uh, no, but that's a good reference. No, not really. Um, can I get half a point for that? Because that's kind of... <laughs> no. I mean, that, in that story, that was a valid way to answer your question. That's not a power. That's a, a patch is not a power. But it's a... Well, whatever. People get... Hal Jordan gets his power from his ring. Just because right, he... That's not just a patch, he, That's not a power patch. It could be a power, power patch. Power patch is a Marvel comic. No, um, no, he used tactile telekinesis. What? He used tactile telekinesis because originally he How was. How did I ever know that? They weren't able to. They weren't able to create a clone that had Superman. I think we've talked about it before. Yeah. They they weren't able to create a clone that had Superman's powers, but they were able to. It's a bit of a long story. The, Just yeah, the short version. John Byrne and the Man of Steel 
reboot from the late 80s decided there had to be a sci- <laughs> some sort of, for some reason, he felt that readers deserve some sort of scientific explanation behind Superman's invulnerability. And, and even going down to the minutia, like why doesn't his, why his costume doesn't tear? And oh, why yeah, when okay. he's like carrying someone or holding someone, they don't seem to feel the effects of like traveling at supersonic speeds in his arms or why they never get harmed by heat or fire when he's, you know, cradling them or whatever. So he came up with this idea that most of Superman's powers are due to this aura that he projects like a millimeter away from his skin and so that's the basis for his invulnerability and it's the manipulation of that that allows him to fly and that's why when that's why his costume never gets dirty or torn Mm -hmm. and why if he's cradling someone they're protected because his aura sort of like without him realizing it is like extending around them. anyway he felt that we needed some sort of pseudoscience explanation for all of blanket explanation for all of superman's powers as if saying like oh his he's super strong and absorbs sunlight like all that stuff wasn't good enough anymore so he came up with this explanation anyway so the scientist when they were creating Superboy weren't able to mimic his full power set but he was able to use tactile telekinesis to manipulate his aura and allow him to fly and and like give him the illusion of flight and super strength and stuff like he wasn't actually lifting things the way Superman does he was using his aura to like extend it around them and make them weightless and he was also able to do things like if he could like put his like the man you know the man shot from Man of Steel when he flies for the first time where he puts his hand on the ground and like yes the earth it shakes and the rocks start to breaks. tremble he he would do he'd be able to like put his hand on something and make it ex- explode or whatever like that because he would be able to like extend his telekinesis to it oh. so he was kind of like mimicking Superman's powers and then over time when Jeff Johns got a hold of him and <laughs> got sort of a hold of him retconned it <laughs> to funny. say that he that he actually did have half Kryptonian genes and half human genes he wasn't just like a failed metahuman. Uh, offshoot of Superman that he Superboy was shocked to learn that he was actually developing true Kryptonian powers as he aged then his tactile telekinesis sort of fell away as he sort of developed actual Kryptonian powers but for many years he didn't actually have the true power of flight or super strength or invulnerability he was Uh just kind of faking them via tactile telekinesis okay Huh, and now no, you know. And, and knowing right. is half the battle. Number six. Yes. What actor plays Superboy in the Young Justice cartoon? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, oh, no. I'm so angry. I don't, I did, don't did know. Did I make you think of a particularly funny clown or something? No. What just happened? No, the only I don't know voice. The only actors clown well. here is you. Yeah, I am the only clown here. <laughs> um, the real clown is ignorance. It's true, ignorance. The clown. Um, he wears a sad makeup face. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it was a long, long wind up to a very underwhelming pitch. Yeah, sorry. Nolan North. Yeah, I, I forgot. I forgot who That's plays okay. what. The only person I learned after years was Will Friedle. And even that name I forgot until you recently mentioned it. So Well, no, you know the names of other actors on these shows. Oh, Will Friedle isn't even, isn't even on the... It's cute that you think well, so. Well, no, you know Kevin Conroy and Susan Eisenberg and Carl Yeah, Lumbly. but those, like, are, those are years and years. I mean, well, so is Will Friedle. Well, Batman Beyond was like 15 I know, years ago. <laughs> I know. If it's been less than a decade, chances are I don't know their name. I think I could come up with some counterexamples. Mm. <laughs> like, you know, you, you know, you would know some of the, like, if I asked you who played, um, who played Vandal Savage or, or, um, Rachel Ghoul or even Miss Martian on, uh, on Young Justice, you'd probably be able to tell me. Yeah, but that's because I know them all from other things. Mm, I suppose. All right. Uh, so should we move on to our shows? 
Yeah. Only six questions. So oh, you got, okay. uh, let's see, you got, I think you I got, got that like one three. eventually, <laughs> and then you got the Cadmus one, and you got the Connell one. So yeah, two and a half out of six. Yeah, I'll take it. All right. <laughs> so this week we're going to be talking about Star Wars Resistance, uh, the season premiere of Gotham, and the next set of episodes of Young Justice. Um, should we talk about both episodes of Gotham since we... We, should, we, we probably were... shouldn't talk about the one we haven't seen yet. That might prove difficult. We've only seen one so far. Another one is aired, but we haven't watched it yet. <laughs> okay, yes. We could yes, just we could right. pretend like we've seen <laughs> it. <laughs> That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Wasn't it crazy when Bruce Wayne became a giant and... I, I, I was surprised to find out who was under the Shaggy Man costume that whole time. Yeah. Or even the Shaggy Man was on the show. Yeah. yeah. He showed up and debuted at the same time and revealed the same It was... It was um, it was, mm, man. it was Lou Ferrigna. The joke would have been funnier if I'd been able to think of the actor's name again. You know, the guy from Black Lightning, the white guy from Black Lightning. Oh, um, oh no, you put me on the spot. And <laughs> no, I can't you remember. can't think of it either. Yeah. Um, Vic, no. No. Uh. <laughs> anyway, I was going <laughs> to say he had come back. He had come back on the show and really grown out his mustache, and that was the new Shaggy Man on the show. But then so I forgot good. the actor's name, so I really didn't mind that one very well. It'll come to me like 15 minutes from now. Watch. <sighs> Let's just keep going. Okay. Um, so Star Wars Resistance. This was a fun episode, but it was pretty slight. I mean, it's, it was just like Niku caring for his little stinky pet. And then the mama shows up and wants mm-hmm. the kid back. And yeah. everybody in the audience, even the little kids, know it's got to be the mother. But, no, the mother. No, everybody but everybody in the show takes the 15 minutes like, to realize. Yeah. Even, though they, even though they look exactly the same. And they smelled inside. similar. They said, whoa, this guy stinks. They Did actually they say made... that about the big mm-hmm, one too? Because yep. they were in their ships in the... Fighting the big one, they yeah, probably couldn't as smell they it. Were, no, 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 but as they were, um, I don't know, but it was right before they were flying around, but they said, so, somebody mentioned something about the smell. That's why I was hmm. like, nobody's okay. connecting the dots. You have anything, anything to say about this one? It's adorable. I was surprised that he ate the uh, the replacement pet at the end there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we know from, we saw a trailer for the second half of the season. It seems like big things are going to happen, but they're not happening yet. They're still in like the setup mm-hmm. phase of the, the season. Um, so Gotham, season premiere. Um we open with a cold open where it looks like um, Gordon and Bullock have teamed up with Penguin and Riddler. Yes. And they're like a year into No Man's Land and, and they're up on like a battle rampart kind of. Some and they're, kind. they're opening fire on what looks like the military down below. Yeah. Um, so we don't know what that's all about. Now we jump back. Now it's only like a couple months into No Man's Land. Yeah, three, three or four um, months. Yeah. Selena's still recuperating from being shot. She's like suicidal. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruce is trying to do his best to get supplies into the city. I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. Like, I, I, I got to say, did, do you, did you feel any anything when Tabitha was killed? I've never really made a connection with that character. I liked her and I was actually surprised that they killed her off. Um I mean, I think they're probably going to kill off a lot of characters in this season. I mean, no one we know continues on to the mythos, but I wouldn't be surprised to see, like, Barbara go, or... I wouldn't be surprised if they even killed off Bullock or something, even though Bullock is a character later on, like, we know from other stuff. Right. I think, like, Gordon is safe, Alfred is safe, Bruce is safe, Riddler and Penguin, probably safe. But anybody else, I could could see them killing off. I mean, we just named most of the cast, but I could see them killing off other characters, too. I think they're going to, like, pull out all the stops and shock us. I mean, I, I... I enjoyed I enjoyed watching the character and the actress did an okay job, but I feel like she was one of those characters that they never really found a solid niche for or solid characterization for. She was just sort of defined by her relationships to other characters. That's true. Like she was she was um, Theo Gallivan's sister slash henchman, mm-hmm. and then she was um, sort of on her own. Then she was like Barbara's love interest slash partner in crime. Yeah, and she was Butch's girlfriend, and like she never really had like if you if a, 
it's like the remember the thing from the Red Letter Media Star Wars Episode One thing. Like describe this character to me yes. without describing what they look like or or things that they do. Like to describe their character right. traits to me. Like what would you like? Um, aggressive, I guess. You know. Yeah. Like, um, well, I mean, powerful. Yeah. Um, pra- like I guess. Um, she's cat like she's the proto cat woman. She teaches Selena how really to be cat like though. She just uses a whip. Like well, she's not cat like in any other way. She was a talent, skilled martial artist, but true. cats aren't skilled martial artists. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I never really made a connection to that character. Probably like my least favorite character on the show. Probably like yeah. I mean, the, the, we talked before about how they didn't seem like they knew what they were doing with Barbara early on. But I feel like her. I um, liked her. Her her scattershot nature and her like never being able to stick to one goal or or one motivation for very long is kind of part of Barbara's character now. Like that yes, is her character. Yes, Whereas yes. for Tabitha, it felt more just like a failure of the writing that they didn't really know what to do with her to give her a strong arc. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I mean, you know, I, I'm sad to see her go. I guess, but I didn't really feel that much of a connection to character. But I do, I do, do enjoy the um. The sort of vaguely, I mean, it's No Man's Land. It's 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 like a not quite as good version of No Man's Land from the comics because the comics can really sell. I mean, first of all, the comics have a much longer, you know, history to them. You feel more for the characters because you've been reading about them for so long and they have a much bigger cast that they can utilize. Plus, you have basically an infinite budget in the comics. So they can show the city being decrepit or destroyed and they yep. can show this gang warfare and all these things in ways that they can't really on the show. Yeah. But for, for what it is, I feel like I, I was getting a, a kind of a cool Walking Dead kind of vibe yes, from it like yeah. conserving ammo making our own bullets like little little warlords setting these up their own little fiefdoms where access to food these people yeah, are food on medical turf people wars. having to, the good guys having to take in refugees but like oh we can't feed this many people we can't protect them from the outside like if they if they launch it if penguin launches an assault you know analogous to like oh if the walkers come we won't be able to you know shore up the the walls and protect this many people yep. or whatever like i was getting kind of a cool you know P- PG Fox version of Walking right. Dead kind of vibe from it, which I enjoyed. Um, but the the comic is really much even even Greg Rucka's um, novelization, which really had to trim out so much because it took literally No Man's Land lasted twelve months in the comics, like for us the readers in real mm-hmm. time, it was twelve months worth of comics, and there were like six or seven titles that it was happening in. So twelve times because there were like yep. there were four Batman titles at the time. Now there's only two. Although one of them is bi-weekly, so there's kind of like three-monthly. There were four Batman titles, plus there was Robin, Nightwing, Azrael, Birds of Prey. I think there was even a quarterly Batman Chronicles title or something. Plus, I might be forgetting something. So there were so many Batman titles multiplied by 12 months, mm-hmm. multiplied by 22 pages at minimum, because some of them were annuals and specials mm-hmm. and stuff. Not so many pages it took to tell, tell the story in the comic. And Greg Rucka boiled it down to like 350 pages in a novel. I actually did a pretty good job. Um, but, I, but either of those, I feel like, is probably going to be better than this. Yep. Just because of you know the the circumstances, but I I'm I enjoyed it. I thought it, I think it's an interesting it's an interesting way to go out because um, this is the final season and it's a half season, so it's only going to be twelve episodes or something. Right. Um, but it's an interesting note to end on. I mean, it, I it's kind of an interesting way to go having instead of Batman, it, it, it is kind of similar, I guess, in a way. Like traditionally, Batman comes to this, emerges when Gotham's kind of at its lowest point and right. brings it back up. Although this is lower than, norm, like normally it's just, oh, the mobs have taken over. Sure. Right? Not like the city is literally cut off from the United States and there's, you know, like only yeah. 500 people left in the city and whatever. But the idea of, like if, as Gotham comes out of this and pulls itself back up to become a major city, the idea of the 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 birth of Batman is kind of like this creation myth for mm-hmm. a new Gotham. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he's there and he, it's, he, he sort of helps build this new Gotham 
It's kind of cool, kind of cool in a mythic way, you know. Like he's yeah. sort of it's kind of like a, a Romulus Remus kind of thing, except I don't know who the you know he and Gordon are kind of like the two brothers that are going to create a new Gotham out of the remains of the old one. You know, right? It's kind of I don't know. There's something kind of cool and mythic to that to me. It was very different from other versions, but. You see what I mean? Yeah. There's something kind of cool about that. And so obviously, you know, the timeline is very different and, you know, people aren't the right ages and everybody knows each other way earlier than they should. All the things we've been talking about for five years. But yeah. I do feel like it's an interesting, it's a better note to, it's a more powerful note to end on. We say this, you know, without having seen the actual ending, but sort of imagining where they're going to, the place sure. the series is going to end in with Gotham being readmitted to the U.S. and Batman being there and all this other stuff. It's sort of a better way to end it than if it had just gone out with Bruce Wayne still being like 16 and not, you know, and, and if it had gone out at the end of last season or the season before that, if they'd been canceled after three or four seasons without getting the chance to wrap it up, I feel like, you know, it doesn't need to, the, the cool thing about Smallville, as we said before, is it ran for 10 years. So we actually got to see 13, 14 year old Clark become Superman when he was 25 or something like that. You know, like we never thought we'd get that full arc. We thought they'd have to do a time jump here. Who knows what they'll do if he'll become Batman when he's 17 or if they'll do some sort of time jump. But either way, I think that it's kind of cool that we've, that they've been able to tell as much of the story as they have. Yeah. I was wondering about the, um, the Selena paralysis arc. Did that happen in no man's land? No. Because I remember, feel like... I don't remember Catwoman having. Catwoman was was not. I mean, she was. This was like '90s, early 2000s Catwoman. So like the skin type, purple costume. Sure. And she. It was really like the the bad girl Vava Voom era of Catwoman. Yeah. It wasn't the best. It was before Darwin Cook and Ed Brubaker came on and gave her the cool black zip up costume with the goggles and stuff that she right. had up until relatively recently. Um, so yeah, it wasn't a great place for her, and she was not nearly as prominent a character as she is now between the Tom King run and yeah, you know, okay. and I was the, just the, the recent movies and everything else. So no, I, I don't remember having her much a role at all. The only thing I can think of that's even close is there was a scene near the end of No Man's Land where Huntress gets shot up, and she, you know, she's fine, but she's, you know, she's severely injured and she got shot. But that wasn't anything close to this but it was the closest thing i can think of is just being like oh a female character get to get shot in the story okay. but yeah no, there wasn't they, really anything they like tried it for in gotham they definitely tried the whole killing joke thing you yeah. did notice that yeah but yeah i mean but that was 15 in the comics that was 15 years before no man's land yeah. so it was yeah. yeah um yeah and so then we have uh three more episodes of young justice oh. so a, a ton of, again like a ton of stuff happens and the first one was kind of was probably the the silliest Maybe, do you think the first one with the, the private security? Like the, <laughs> I love that one. All the Harper clones, it's like this weird <laughs> yeah. dysfunctional family private security. Is this the, is that the silliest episode of Young Justice we've ever had, do you I think? I think so. Or at least the silliest part, because not the, in, the entire episode wasn't silly. It was, but that was, I thought that it was, was the majority. That was the majority of, the, aside from like occasionally cutting back to like what Brion and Halo and stuff are doing. Right. Um, but also the mission that they teamed up for later. But that, that was that, right. But I'm talking about you're talking about when they go to New Genesis. That was actually the, yeah. the next episode, though. I'm just talking no. about this first specific episode. No, 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 no. The the uh, the mission that they were they they teamed up for at night, right? Because um, Roy said, "If you want my help tonight, you need to help me today." Do you remember this? Well, yeah, and then they all went right. to free some of the kids that had been taken. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, that was still important and contingent to the rest of the story. And I don't think that yeah, part was Yeah, but that was, was 10 seconds at the end of the episode. I just and think I still that you're this, blowing up the uh, the few minutes of silly that they had as I'm if not, it took place not, for the entire It's not a criticism. It's not a criticism. I think it worked. I think 80% I of the running time of this episode was, was Dick and, and now Will Harper with his little pot belly. 
Did you notice that? Did you notice no. that they drew him as having a little bit of a gut now? Did no. you Did you not notice that? No. It's especially it's noticeable when he's sitting in the chair on the phone at the beginning. It's less noticeable when he's wearing the more loose fitting sort of um, rent a cop uh-huh. shirt. Yeah. But it's especially notice, noticeable at the end when he gets back in his red arrow outfit for one or two oh, shots. Oh, that you can, can see, see the, the gut. Little gut. Yeah. Um, but funny. yeah, it's. It, I'm not saying it was a bad thing. It's just the whole thing of like. <laughs> I don't know the, the way that the, all the the clones were just sort of bickering not not bickering necessarily but the way they were just sort of like sniping each other and yet we're still funny. kind of like brotherly and Dick was like what am I even doing here yeah. and he got pulled into this whole thing yeah um, who, who put all of you in the same room but, you but, did yeah. what, what makes it work though is that there's, <laughs> there actually is a grounding to it that that the scenes it's so hard for me to call him Will Harper now but um, where he says to him you're, you're trying to make me into the new Wally but if somebody's got to yeah. be then I got to be the one to tell you that the reason why you're resisting the, the you have a you have a um, a responsibility to these kids from Markovia, and you're not living up to it. And the one thing about Wally is that he always spoke his mind and told you what you needed to hear. And so right. that's what I'm doing now is that you've got to man up and become a leader to these kids. And then finally, at the end of the third episode, that's what he does. And we kind of see the outsiders mm-hmm. forming there on the bio ship. Yep. Um, with Forager. Which, and by the way, the predictions were correct. The uh, yeah. The truck outside <laughs> the, the truck house really was the bio was ship. the bio ship. Um, and so in the second episode, the main plot here is, I mean, in the background of all of this is Brion and Halo sort of acclimating, meeting, getting to know each other a little bit and training a bit. But that doesn't really come to a head until the third episode when they go to Infinity Island to try to find uh, his sister. The second episode is more about Miss Martian and uh, Big Bear taking, um, going to New Genesis to try to uncover some, to try to get to the root of like some strife that's going on between seemingly Orion mm-hmm. and the bugs on New Genesis. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out Orion is not really Orion. It's it's Malafak, who in this uh, conception is not Martian Manhunter's brother, but Miss Mar- one of Miss Martian's brothers, mm-hmm. which I guess still makes him related to Martian Manhunter. But sure. he's a he would be like a cousin or a nephew. I guess he'd be a nephew, right? Yeah. Because McGann but... calls him Uncle Jean, which would mean that it's his nephew, right? Yeah, but I mean, I thought that was more from an adopted standpoint. No, that's that's something that wasn't really made clear on the show, is that Miss um, Martian is actually Martian Manhunter's... This is all in the show now. I don't know if the comics, if they're biologically related or not, because I think in the comics, she's she's pure white Martian. In the show, she... she um, visually it's hard with Martians because they can shapeshift. But she, she appears visually like her native form, quote unquote, looks white martian yeah but she's of a mixed heritage so she uh-huh. actually is blood related to john jones there was a mixed oh. marriage in there somewhere oh, okay. so she's predominantly white martian but she is actually biologically related to martian manhunter that wasn't part of her cover story about winning see. a contest and coming to her that part at least is true um whereas in the comics i think she's pure white martian and he just he's sort of like an adopted uncle that's what i there. thought but in yeah. the comics it's very different because they're like the only two martians left whereas in the show the whole planet is still thriving i see um has so yeah, so, the, so they go to New Genesis. It turns out that um, th- that was that was cre- that was creepy. And then we see like flashbacks to when they were young. Yeah. And he would like descend on other Martians and like devour them. Do you remember that one yeah, scene? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. There's another thing they wouldn't be able to show on. Uh, yeah, that's on Cartoon true. Network. Yeah. Um, but that came out of nowhere. Like of all the things I thought we would see in this episode, I didn't think we we discover like an evil. A, like anti Miss Martian, basically. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, that's I don't harsh. know if that's going to pay off later, or I mean, everything in the show eventually pays off. So yeah. I'm sure they've got a plan for it. But but it was cool to see like a, a ride. We haven't seen New Genesis even once on this show. The only shot, the only thing we've seen of Apocalypse, we've seen like their technology and their weapons and creatures and machinery from there mm-hmm. and characters from there on Earth, you know, like Desaad and, and, G. Gordon Godfrey and so on like that. And New Genesis, obviously, we saw the New Genesphere and the Forever People came to Earth one time in season two. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But the only actually time we've spent on Apocalypse was at the very end of season two where Vandal Savage goes and shakes Darkseid's hand. Yeah. And this is the only time we've actually been on New Genesis so far. It's funny because we feel like we've been, we've seen so much fourth world stuff on the show, but it's the first time we've actually been there. Um, Yeah. And so there's, it seems like, I'm not sure, was there any indication that he was working for, Malafak was working for? Yes, the, the, he said it related he's, to the light in any way. He, I'm trying to remember. He now. said he was working for an employer. Like somebody wanted him to do this, and he was going to do a good job. Yeah, because okay. He wanted I mean, to it's do easy to job. see that if the light is working with Dark Side, then it could it be in their combined interest to foment dissent on New Genesis and yeah. create some sort of war between Supertown right. and the Bugs or whatever. Yep. Yeah, all that was really interesting, and this is the first time we've actually had to see the current version of the team: Static, Yep, Kid Flash, Two, Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. Tracy 13, Wonder mm-hmm. Girl, actually in action. Mm-hmm. We got to hear Tracy 13 speak for the first time, and she's voiced by Lauren Tom, who's a veteran voice actor who's done a ton of mainly Asian roles. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they keep it they keep it authentic. She she voiced, like we were talking about, she was, she was Amy in Futurama. Mm-hmm. She was Dana in Batman Beyond. I mm-hmm. mean, she tends to play like these teen... She, I, she can pitch her voice up because she's a talented voice actress. She tends to play like these teen yeah. characters when she's got to be like in her 50s by now so it's yeah. kind of funny but nolan north is like 52 and he's playing superboy so um yeah so that that was cool and we got to see a little bit of them in action i'm, I'm curious to see where they go with tracy 13 because it seemed like they're trying to her powers seem like they work differently than like traditional yeah. she's not doing like dr fate stuff or zatanna stuff she's doing it, bad luck stuff yeah it almost seems more like like scarlet witch in the comics where she's like manipulating probability almost and like like hex magic like she's yeah, making yeah. bad things happen yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's the way they go with it. I'm trying to remember if that's the way it was in the comics. I, I don't think so, but like it's possible. Like Unlucky 13? That would maybe, yeah, maybe that sense. was maybe that was the way it was the in the conceit. comics. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm only familiar with her from... Um, I read, I've read a couple of things she was in on her own. I never read her original appearances. I only became familiar with her when she started showing up as a supporting character in the Blue Beetle series. And right. she and, and Jaime were boyfriend and girlfriend for a long time. Mm-hmm. Which made it interesting that in this episode, they cut to El Paso and it's... Jaime and Bart hanging out with Tracy in like Jaime's bedroom. Huh. I'm like, oh, are they a couple now too? Like in this? Yeah. Um, so that would be interesting. Um, I'm not sure there was anything in that sequence that indicated that he was like especially worried about her or she about him. Right. But maybe they're just becoming particularly good friends because you know Jaime and Bart from season two were sort of like it was kind of like the blue and the gold kind of thing again, you know. Whereas yeah, with Tracy, it'd be interesting to see if she's sort of what the dynamic is there. And then the third episode, this is mainly about. This is really like the formation of the Outsiders because we, we well, we get Forger. Forger comes over from the second episode. So he's voiced by Jason Spiesack. And I'm not sure you would recognize him. No. Really? Um, I kind of picked up hints, hints, hints. Yeah, hints, there's bits but, if you know to listen for it. Like, yeah. if, same, same if you but go back to I know Green to Lantern, the animated yeah. series, and listen to Razor, and you know it's him also, you can kind of like, oh, yeah, I can kind oh, of hear it in there. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, so they bring him back. He's like cast out from the bugs because of the fact that he was not as you know anti-human and anti-new right. god as everybody else. As he was ready kind of for playing him more fairly. Yeah. Um, and so he and and uh, Geoforce and Halo kind of become the A family, the, the new team. And it's interesting that we lo- that we kind of get more hints to Halo here, where she instantly knows a lot about New Genesis. Mm-hmm. Um, she and Sphere seem like they have some sort of instant connection. Mm-hmm. Um, Dick reveals to her here um, her real name. Yes. But she cho- but she has... Well, Tigress was... re- re- revealed Well, yeah, they, they get the anyway. information. And, but what I thought was, it was really nicely done. Like, she hears the information. She gets a flash of her memory yep. where she remembers just, like, how how hard it was for her to come into Markovia yeah. and, like, the racism that she... Yep. And the, the, the ignorance that she encountered there. And she's like, no, I don't want anything to do with that life anymore. Yep. Like, you call me Halo and Brion called me Violet. And the, that's my name now. That's my my real name and my superhero I, name yeah. and I don't want anything to do with that 
whatever else the, the other pest. thing was. The pest can stay there. That was a nice bit. Um, and I like the dick sort of steps up and says, okay, I guess I'm... They even had a few lines. I mean, they, they actually reference in the dialogue. Um, does this remind you of, you know, when other kids snuck out of... Snuck away from the the adults and infiltrated Cadmus eight years ago, right? Because it's basically the same thing. Yeah. I, th- I forget whether it was uh, Superboy or Miss Martian or, or Artemis that said that, but one of them was like, "This is really, <laughs> this is really almost exactly what happened eight years ago." But they even had some other dialogue in there, where um, where Dick said, um, "You know what you just did? That's not going to happen again." And then Brion stepped up and said, basically, like, "I'm sorry, but it will." Right? Mm. It's almost exactly the dialogue between Batman. And Aqualad from the very first episode, where when they found the kids in the the ruins of the Cadmus Labs there, and and Batman's like, you know, what you kids just pulled, you understand that's not going to happen again. And Aqualad steps and says, steps up and says, "I'm sorry, but it will. We're a team now, and you're going to have to get with the program, right?" Right. It's almost the exact same dialogue, except now it's Dick uh-huh. saying it to a new generation. So I thought it was it's cool Funny. the way they 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 weave that Wove through. that in there. Um. Yeah. So we get. The new team, and uh, so it's curious to see what's going to happen because I mean the the promo art for the season shows Nightwing there mm-hmm. with Forger, Geoforce, Halo, um, and Bla- and Katana, who we haven't seen really much of yet, aside from just the quick shot of her resigning from the Justice League in the premiere. And then it shows like um, Superboy, Tigress, and Black Lightning like in the background. Uh-huh. So I wonder if this episode like Superboy and Tigress are there, yeah, helping Nightwing, and I'm curious if they're going to like be part of this now i mean uh, superboy is still still technically on the team you know yeah. the quote-unquote young justice team with miss martian they're like co-leaders of the team and tigress is seemingly in retirement although i don't think we quite have confirmation on that um so i wonder if they're going to be hanging out with this new team too or whether their role in bringing the team together is kind of done is just going to be nightwing and leading these kids you know right plus katana who's a member of the justice league until recently so it's kind of kind of kind of weird to have her there um and it'd be interesting to see if Black Lightning sticks around too. Yeah. Because um, of course he's the other classic. But with Black Lightning there, you kind of have the complete original lineup of the Outsiders in the comics with Nightwing instead of Batman and with Forger in there for some reason for comic relief. Um, he's great. But yeah, I feel like we're, we're, the season is starting to take shape more. Like I'm glad we've gotten more of the team as a currently. It really would be helpful to have something to call them other than the team since now we have three superhero teams on the show. We've got the Justice League, we have the team, and then we now have the Outsiders, right? It's kind yeah. of hard to describe. Because you don't want to call them Young Justice because that's not what they're called in the show. They're just called the team. Right. But you say that and you think, wait, we were just talking about the Outsiders. Are you, you mean the Outsiders when you say the team? No, you know. Um, I feel like the. I feel like I want to see more of the Justice League as it currently is now, and I think that's what the next episode is going to be about. And I also want to see more of Batman and the sidekicks that he took with him when he left, you know, Robin, Spoiler, Arrowette, and what they're up to. Right. And I think we're, I know we're also going to get that soon. So I feel like the, the, the first few episodes sort of splintered everybody off into different directions, mm-hmm. and now it's going to take seven or eight episodes to gradually catch up with all of those groups. And I'm mm-hmm. sure it'll all come together in the end, but I'm glad that they're, I think it actually works that they're, doesn't it seem like so far, despite the fact that they didn't plan to have three episodes air at a time when they were making them, mm-hmm. they, they in fact, they've said they would prefer if it was one episode a week to sort of keep the the mysteries going for longer or whatever. I actually feel like so far each three episode chunk is, I mean, the first three definitely worked as an arc. Yeah. Because it ends with the whole, they leave Markovia and, you know, everything is finished. Yep. And here... This three, the plots of the three episodes are, are very different. You got the private security, the mission to New Genesis, and then the the outsiders sneaking off to Infinity Island. Yep. 
but it culminates the sort uh, simmering at, at the and the, the B story of the first two episodes is Halo and Geoforce, you know, learning about their powers and sort of chafing under the restrictions. And then the third episode, it comes to a head and they go off on their own. And the team is formed. Yep. So Don't forget like, Tara, though. Well, we haven't even seen her yet. All we've seen is, oh, well, we I guess we saw a silhouette of her crushing that guy in the back alley yeah. in um, whatever country that was. Yep. Well, that's what prompted their mission to. Um, yeah, that's why Infinity Geoforce Island. wants to go there is because he wants to know more about his sister. Exactly. And so we, we get a really, I mean, we should also talk about the really interesting sequence at the end with Rachel Ghoul and the, and the revelations there. So he's no longer a member of the light. Mm-hmm. Um, and But he still feels like he doesn't, he's not going to tell. These right, idiots, gonna, these idiots, right. anything about the League of Shadows. Um, and they leave. And then two things happen. One, Talia steps out of the shadows with a baby in her arm. Mm-hmm. So obviously Damien's Damien. in the show now. And so people on the internet were speculating is that I wonder if Talia is the new... Header of the head of the light? Well, not the... And Rachel Ghoul wasn't the head of the light. I'm not sure the light had a head. But whether she sort of took his place, the way the Black Manta was kind of grooming Calder uh-huh. to be part of the light, whether Raish was sort of grooming Talia and now he steps aside for whatever reason and Talia is taking his role. It feels like a bit of a coincidence otherwise to say Rachel Ghoul say, I'm no member, no longer a member of the light. And then his heir just shows up two seconds later. Like, I, you know, yeah. I wonder if he, the reason why he didn't want to say is because he doesn't want to reveal his daughter's complicity in what's going yeah. on. But I feel like that's the obvious. What else would cause Rachel Gould to step back from such an important role in guiding the world other than leaving it to his heirs, which is like, that's all Rachel Gould ever wants is to give things to his heirs, right? Right. He's just yeah. he's generally pretty picky about who those heirs happen to be. And usually Talia isn't the one that actually receives a lot of his... Attention. Attention. Yeah. Um, because sexism. And then we see... One of the uh, guards that was fighting off the team of Rachel Ghoul's side um, remove his his red hood, uh-huh. and we see a guy there with like the the typical sort of Jason Todd uh, wavy black hair with bangs kind of thing going on. Um, and he says, "Oh, you know something about his memories or whatever." It's like, "Oh, I think I remember them," or something like no, that. No, he said something like Nightwing, or yeah, he said like a name or something like Dick or something like that. And Rachel goes like, "Yes, can't Grayson." Do the, the, that's the, what he Grayson. said. He's like, "Oh, I see your memories are starting to return." You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do the Oded Fair voice, but and so we're like, "Oh crap!" Like, did you get that that was Jason until I yes. okay? But you didn't. Re- it's funny because you didn't recognize Talia and Damien. You're like, "No, is that Cheshire?" Is- yeah, I was because I'm still looking for Cheshire. It's I know, been but six episodes in now, when, we're heading into when seven, a woman with long, don't... straight brown hair wearing a black skin tight suit with the zipper undone to like her navel yeah like that's talia like that's classic talia i didn't see it's so weird how my brain works but i i looked at her it didn't look like the shape of cheshire but i was still kind of thinking of cheshire Cheshire. and then they zoomed in black hair and asian features i know but i didn't see her and so i sort of dismissed her whoever she was and by the time my brain had finished that operation, they zoomed in on the baby, and I was like, "What baby is this?" <laughs> people have been so. people have been speculating since season two when we got those couple of shots of the m- memorial to the second Robin in the cave. Yes, right. Is that what they called it? Yeah, the cave, and then later on the watchtower. Yes, that the show was going to eventually do some sort of Red Hood story. And we know that the, at least some of the creators have an affinity for that particular story because Brandon Vietti, one of the showrunners, was the director of the Under the Red Hood movie. Cool. So we know we know at least that you know he likes that story. Sure. I mean, okay, I was gonna say, wouldn't it be cool if he showed up and it was Jensen Ackles? But now we know it's Josh Keaton, who's also awesome, so that's fine. But um, but yeah, I wonder, like, I don't know, are they gonna be able to bring? I don't know, like, I I wonder. Yes. You always wonder with the show that plans so far ahead. You always wonder, like, how much of this is setting stuff up for 
later this season and how much of it is setting stuff up for like season five because like are they really gonna do the, like all the are they really because even the opening sequence teases like earth versus apocalypse right we haven't yeah. even seen apocalypse or dark side yet this yeah, season know, we right? saw a little bit of new genesis here but are we really gonna have like a confrontation with apocalypse yeah plus resolution on the metahuman trafficking plus the new makeup of the light and whatever their role in all of this is, plus Miss Martian's evil brother, plus Red Hood, plus, like, they can't possibly bring all of this to a head. So some of this has just got to be, like, laying the seeds for future seasons, right? Like, Damien yeah. has got to be there so that he can join the team in, like, season five or something, right? Kind of like how we said last time how Anissa and Jennifer were in that one scene with Black Lightning so they can be members of the team next season, right? Right. Um, yeah, but I don't, I don't know. It's it's I, they they keep like every new episode they keep setting new stuff up. Yeah, and it, it, I'm it's hard to believe they're going to be able to pay all of it off in one season. And if if they don't, and they don't get a fourth season, it's going to be like even more frustrating than the last time because last time at least it felt like pretty much everything wrapped up. Like it was some it was a bittersweet ending, right? With Wally dying and everything, but at least it felt like. A conclusion. You no, know, there weren't really too many loose threads out there, aside yes. from the whole Vandal Savage Darkseid shaking hands, saying business yeah, as usual thing. Yeah. But that was almost like a, a post-credit scene or whatever. You could kind of mentally edit that out, and it was like a good ending to the show. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, I feel like they've just got so many balls in the air that I wonder how they're going to resolve, gonna all resolve of it all. Huh. Yeah. We'll well, see. So what are your? So I feel like I, I always do most of the talking about Young Justice. So what, what have what have been your? So six episodes in, which is not insignificant. That's half of the episodes we're getting in this block. Uh-huh. Before it gives way to Doom Patrol and then comes back for the second half of the season in June. Which, so it's like how many episodes are going to be there? 13 now and 13 then for okay. a total of 26, just okay. like season one. All right. Um, so we're a quarter of the way through the season and half the way through this block of episodes. Yep. So as it stands right now, what do, how do you feel about the show? Do you feel like it's lived up, living up to the first two seasons? Do you feel like it's it's noticeably better or worse in certain ways? Or I love it. <clears throat> I love it that they... I love that they don't shy away from plot-heavy complexity um yeah i wonder if it's I, almost too inaccessible i worry about that sometimes because there aren't even like previously on young justice things you know like no. if you're i mean i guess that's the benefit of being on a streaming service where the first two seasons are right there right but if you jumped right. into the season i'm not sure you'd have any idea what the heck was going on that's not my problem <laughs> well when you said I accessibility have... i thought you meant like new viewer friendly stories no 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 i think that but see that's the thing though i i like a good story and this is for me just the right amount of mm, plot and arc and character development and action i just i love it all it's it's one of the best shows i've ever seen it's really really wonderful and i'm enjoying living up to the first two seasons for you definitely and like you said last time actually um it feels like a continuation a natural progression from where they left it off last time and um and I really look forward to seeing what things develop from here. And I'm interested and invested in all of the characters that I've met so far, the new ones as well as the old ones that I knew from before. Um, I'm, I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing what shakes out. I feel like all the ways in which it doesn't, in which it does feel jarring compared to the first two seasons, are all the ways in which season one, season two felt jarring after season one, because season two, you're shocked by a five-year time jump. The, yeah. team, the makeup of the team is completely different. You're like, wait, you know, Wally and Artemis are retired and they're a couple now and Aqualad's a villain and there's a new Robin and the, te- the who are all these new people on the team? I don't like these new characters. Bring back the old character. This is what everybody was saying. Sure. Right? It was jarring. Um, and I, so I feel like all the ways in which this new season is jarring and all the things are like, 
oh man, everything's so different. And I want them to like really drill down into each of these differences because I bet there's interesting stories. It's all the same things that people were saying when season two started. Like, oh, I'm never going to like Blue Beetle and Beast Boy and Impulse as much as I we like. We haven't seen Blue Beetle. He was in the, he was in the second oh, wait, episode. Yeah, that's, he what, was, that's what I'm saying. There's so many characters He showed up for like a little now. bit. But he yeah, was there. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah, part yeah, of the team right. that went to New Genesis and he had a few lines. That's um, true. And that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Mm. But anyway, you asked me my thoughts and my thoughts are few because <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just really enjoying the ride so far. I think that they've done a lot of bold and interesting uh, things to move the characters forward, but I really feel like it's such a natural progression from where they left off last time. And it's, it's so, I don't know, it just feels real. Like what would people in those situations do um, having left from having been put into the situations that they tapered off in season two and now catching up with them several years later, like it's inevitable that Will Harper would a pick a different identity, um, to sort of adopt and, and individualize himself as he sees fit. And you would never, you would and never in the comics, is the baby. you would never in the comics get away with having characters permanently retire. Cause no superhero permanently retires in the comics. Cause sooner or later, some new writer will come along for whom that's their favorite character. Sure. And they'll put them back in the costume again and tell more and they'll get a new series, you know? Sure. Whereas here, you know, Red Arrow is retired. Um, we haven't even seen. You mean Arsenal? Uh, no, Arsenal's still on the team, I think. Ar- I mean, Arsenal was in this episode too, but I mean, Red Arrow, the, the older right. Roy Harper with the beard and the gut now, he's running that private security. He's not retired from life. He's just retired from superhero. He's running that private security firm now. Yep. But Ar- Arsenal, I think, is still is still on the team, or at least he. I, there were promo shots of him in a costume. I'm trying to remember if he was there in the first he- episode. No. Um, on the Watchtower. Hmm. Last we saw in season two, he was going off on his own. But I yeah. don't think he's retired from being a superhero. I think he's just not, not part of any team right now. Um, but yeah, so Will Harper, Red Arrow's retired. Uh, we haven't seen, there's still a bunch of characters from season two that we haven't seen yet. We haven't seen Lagoon Boy or Mal or Bumblebee. Like they're, like I could, couldn't, couldn't you see Karen and Mal sort of like retiring together and settling down? Yep. And Lagoon Boy going, like if, now that, now that um, Aqualad is Aquaman full time, if, if Lagoon Boy is now like, um, like the, I bet we'll see, I bet there'll be a, cause we haven't seen the original Aquaman at all. I bet there's going to be some scene this season where they, where they cuts to Atlantis. So we see Arthur there with Mira and now the yeah. kid who's got to be like seven or eight years old now. And we see the Lagoon boy is like the, the head of security for Atlantis or something like that. Like yeah. I'm sure sooner or later they'll touch base, but like that you would never get away with having, I mean, they, they tried to do this. The comics do it occasionally. They, they had The comics had Ted Cord for a while, like, retire from being a superhero. And he grew a bit of a gut and he had a heart condition. But then sooner or later, someone's like, oh, we got to make him a superhero again because people love Ted Cord as Blue Beetle. Like, sure. it would never stick. Yeah. Whereas here in this show, like, every time there's a time jump and you have, like, a quarter of the characters that you grew to love from last season aren't superheroes anymore. It yeah. feels permanent. And, yeah. and and because it feels permanent, it feels more more of a Acceptable. real real evolution yeah. than it does in the comics when they kill off a character or have a character retire when you know it's not going to stick. Because eventually everybody comes back or takes up the mantle again. Like it's never, you know, Dick Grayson was never going to be Batman forever. Bucky Barnes was never going to be Captain America forever. Eventually, Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne and Steve Rogers were going to come back. You yeah. know? Whereas here, if I I could I would not be surprised if we never see. Uh, Will Harper in a costume ever again in the show. Yeah. You know, and, and if we if we see Mal and Karen again, it might just be, um, you know, as a couple 
like they're expecting their first kid or whatever, like in the yeah. like in the comics when they had a kid in the recent Titans run, or, or if Beast Boy is now just an actor now forever, and that's the only time yep. we never see him in a costume again. Right. So it feels it feels natural in that way. I guess that the last thing I'll say is that if I had one, it's not a criticism; it's a worry. If I had one worry about the season, it's that season one felt really focused in the sense that you had the team. But And you also got a fair amount of, you saw the Justice League a fair amount, mostly because they were there, like, watching over the kids. You know, Red Tornado and Captain Marvel were there. Black Canary was training them. Batman yep. was giving out the missions. Yep. We saw a fair amount of the Justice League, and mostly we focused on this core set of six or seven kids. Yep. Season two expanded it, because now you had the Justice League, you had the kids from the first season who were now older, and then you had a new group of young kids. Yep. So you kind of had three different generations. Yeah. Now in this season, we've got... The old guard of the Justice League. We've got new Justice League members we haven't even spent any time with. Yeah. We've got still the old guard from the first season who are now like half of them are retired and half of them are still around. Yep. Like Calder and Dick and, and Artemis. Right. We've got the kids from the second season, like Bart and Jaime and Cassie, who are still there. We have new, new kids who we haven't spent any time with yet, yep. like like Tracy 13 and Spoiler and Arrowette. And we have these new Outsiders characters. Yep. So now we've got fully like five or six different groups or generations or teams yeah it's a saga that, but, really but is there enough time and is there enough time to devote like i remember i remember season one being very focused and season two feeling bigger but still ultimately feeling pretty focused whereas i wonder if this season is is going to be able to feel that focus when there's when the characters have splintered off into so many different factions and and age groups you know like we did in season two. The only way they were able to give enough screen time to the team was they had the big hitters of the Justice League go off world after five or six episodes to clear their name on Rimbor, and we didn't see them again till the end of the season. And so all the responsibility fell on the team, like they were the new guardians of Earth, right? Yeah. This season, it seems like they set up in the in the premiere that the Justice League is spending a lot of time in space trying to improve their reputation, and you know just. They were doing stuff on Rand, for yeah. example, and they established, you know, most of the team is off-world. Batman's like, we may, may have even outlived our usefulness on Earth. Right. Um, so there's a little bit of that in there, but you still want to see those characters again. Like, you still want to see Bruce, Bruce Greenwood's Batman and all these other characters again. And you don't want to just be like that one time. So you want to check in with, as the more you introduce new characters, the more I feel like the older characters are going to get the short shrift. And if they want to have some of them retire and phase them out of the show, like Red Arrow and presumably Guardian and Bumblebee and Beast Boy and stuff, that's fine. But I feel like so far this season, this stuff is so many of them are still active in some form or another mm-hmm. that that maybe they should have shuffled more of them out of the way because now there's just so many, you know? I don't know. I trust the process. I, I don't mind if, if... It depends on the quality of the line, right? It, it doesn't matter if one person says one line. Um, it'll be if it's memorable and if it's a contribution to the important story that's being told to you, then I don't mind if we only see a little bit of XYZ characters. It, it's too bad that this is only one show. I feel like if much in the same way that the Bruce Tim Paul Dini animated universe was an animated universe yeah. with a Batman show and a Superman show and then Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Like this deserve this, if anything, deserves it more because wouldn't you love to have a show about that is just about this version of the Justice League, mm-hmm. right? Wouldn't you love to have a show that is just about this version of the team? And then, this, you know what I mean? Like, I think each of these groupings, I would could just s- love more episodes of this show. That's well, what sh- I would well, love. Sure. But I, I think it could support like a CW universe or Bruce Tim universe 
level thing. Like even when when Young Justice was first around, I remember people saying people sort of campaigning for a Justice League spinoff from that show. Like let the show be about the kids, but I want to also see a show about this version of the Justice League because it was so cool and they yeah. had assembled such a great cast and everything. And I feel like that's more true than ever. And maybe they'll do that. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess now is is better time than any. I mean, we're looking at what CBS All Access is doing with Star Trek. When one of these streaming services knows they've got a hit and they need content to fill their library for their new streaming service, go with what works, right? Yep. Yep. So maybe this is, I mean, maybe we're going to hear, I mean, here's now this is total pie in the sky thinking, but maybe in a few months, you know, fingers crossed when we hear about a season four renewal for Young Justice, right. they'll also announce they're doing additional Young Justice Universe projects, be it like a, a short run, like five or six episodes focusing on this version of Batman or yep. an entire spinoff focusing on the Justice League or whatever. I think now's the time for that because they're they're looking for a mix of live action and animated projects to constantly be running on the service. Yep. Um, they're, they've got a proven cast and a proven series of producers. I'm sure Vietti and Weissman could, could handle a slightly larger workload or they could hand it off to some of the other writers and producers that have been with the show since the beginning, like Nicole DeBuc, who's been there since season one. Um, and I feel like that'd be great, you yeah. know? And like, and you could even, even, even like have, instead of having 26 episodes of Young Justice and 26 episodes of that show, reduce it to like 20 episodes of Young Justice and 10 or 12 of some spinoff show and you yeah. still end up getting more stuff. It's just split differently. Because I feel like They've got a universe here that feels almost as expansive as the one in the comics. But the mm-hmm. thing about the comics is you get like a dozen comics a week yeah. that is about this universe. Whereas yeah. here you get, you know, one episode, one episode that's like 20 minutes theory long. Every, yeah. You know what I mean? It'd be like if there was only one comic that you got a week and that comic was called the DC Universe and they had to cover everything that happened in the DC Universe in that week. It'd be an impossible task because yeah. there's just too many characters. Yeah. And as this universe, one of the cool things about this universe is that it is, you know, being becoming more fleshed out and you're getting all sorts of cool legacies and character, new characters being introduced and retiring. But the downside of that is there's now so many potential stories there that even if the story you're telling is super cool, you can't help but feel robbed of all the other cool stories you could also be getting. Yeah. You know, and it's the perpetual fans, you know, thing that fans always want more of the thing that they like, you know, yeah. they just want more of that. Don't make it different. Don't make it new. Just make more of that, right? And then if they get something new and it's cool, then they change their tune. But usually they just want more of what they're already getting if they like it. Right. Um, but, you know, and in the comics you can do that because you've got 50 different ongoing series at any given time. But here you've got one. Yep. So, I don't know. Maybe they'll maybe they'll branch out. Maybe they'll, they'll shift focus. Maybe they'll do something mid-season like the Justice League will all die in a big explosion or something. Or, I don't know, that... I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I feel like that's my only qualm is that while I'm, while I, I couldn't be enjoying what we're getting more, I just can't help but think about like all the other stuff we could be getting. Yep. Exactly. And, you know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, yeah. It'd be like if the only time we got to see The Flash on the CW was, was like, if he didn't have his own show and he just showed up periodically on Arrow. It's like, he's so cool. I'll give him his own show. And of course that's what they did. Right. But it'd be like, it's like that. Like the CW universe has become... It's cool because there's now five or six shows. But if there was just one show on the CW, if it was still just Arrow and every so often The Flash would show up or Supergirl, 
you'd feel cheated because you, you know, this yeah. version of Supergirl is so awesome. She deserves her own show. And that's the way I feel about on Young Justice, this version of Batman. I this know, but this of- is the ensemble show. This is the nature of the show. And so I, I'm, I would like what you would like. But I just don't see that happening well, the, because the amount yeah. of resources to make that happen would be crazy, crazy, crazy I, high. The, the conceit the conceit for this show, as it was eventually explained, I'm not sure they revealed this in season one because they didn't want to give away that they were planning a time jump and a complete overhaul of the cast in season two. But the conception is this is a show about the young heroes of the DC universe, yeah. right? Whoever those heroes happen to be. Yep. And as time passes, certain of the characters Are gonna age out. aren't young anymore. Yeah. And so they'll get less focus. Sure. And that that's fine, but I f- and and if that were what they were doing, I think that would be fine. It would be hard because you'd miss the old characters, but it would at least be like an easily understandable mission statement. But I feel like they haven't quite been doing that because we keep they keep coming back to characters from the first couple of seasons, regardless of how old they get. They keep Not mentioning them, but I don't think they keep coming Night- back. to Nightwing them. has been like the most prominent character of these um, first few episodes, no. and he's like twenty three now. No, he's been mentioned in a few Nightwing? of them, but yeah. What do you mean mentioned in a few of them? Nightwing's I mean, been in every single episode so far. Not every single episode, no yeah, way. he's been in all six of them. And for, in and two or three, he's... For like a to- some total of like 20 no, minutes. I, Nightwing has gotten... Nightwing and, and with maybe like Geoforce and Miss Martian being close seconds, Nightwing is probably the single character that's gotten the most screen time so far in these six episodes. He's been a major character, a major speaking role in all six episodes. Hmm... I don't know. I, maybe maybe it's because other people's story arcs are more prominent in my brain. But yeah, he hasn't had as much of development. But I mean, that whole but thing. He's been there leading missions and stuff. The whole the whole thing in the all three episodes where they go undercover, James Bond style in Markovia. He was leading that mission, and he was the biggest. He was the had the biggest role in the whole thing. That's what I'm saying. If they if they phased out the older characters and we were only focusing on the younger characters, then I think the show would feel more focused. But because we're still seeing the Justice League, and we're still seeing the original team members, as well as the new ones, as well as these new Outsiders characters, I feel like they might be trying to do too much. If they were, if the season were just about these new Outsiders characters, with a couple of the old guard, like Nightwing and Tigress, mentoring them, that to me would feel like a more focused show than this show, which is about that, plus Miss Martian leading her team, plus whatever the Justice League is up to, plus Batman's new splinter group, yep. plus whatever else, you know? So... I, I, I'm, I, I'm just saying it's not, it's not a criticism because, you know, you could say the same about, you know, oh, you watch some Star Trek show and all these people could headline their own shows, you know, give Riker a show, give Worf a show. People have been saying that for years. Right. And that's, that's true to a certain extent. But I think the difference there is that, um, that those characters were like, when you have Star Trek The Next Generation, all those characters were created for Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. They were created to be part of an ensemble. Yeah. Whereas all these characters in the comics, almost all of them have had their own series at yeah. one time or another. Yeah. So we know they can be awesome solo adventures and solo stories. And there's a long history of awesome Dick Grayson solo stories. And obviously many, many, obviously 80 years of awesome Batman solo stories. Yep. So we know that potential is there. And we know all the awesome stories that could be told. And we trust these creators to tell them. Yep. So I think we feel cheated in a way that we don't feel cheated because they never got a Riker show. Yep. Because all the cool stories they could tell about Riker are all hypothetical. Yep. Whereas cool Batman stories aren't hypothetical. I've got a bookcase full of them, right? Yeah. So I think that's maybe why it feels like a bit more frustrating than it does when you look at a Star Trek show or a Star Wars show and you're like, oh man, they should give they should give Finn his own movie. Like, yeah, they could do that and maybe they will, but we have no idea what those stories would be about or whether they'd be any good or not. Yeah. Whereas we know 
You know well, what I mean? these would be good by these writers, though. You're, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. We know these stories. We know those yeah. awesome Batman stories that could be told. And we know that Wiseman, Vietti, and Bruce Greenwood could, could knock them out of the park. And so we want to see that. Yeah. Whereas some Finn solo movie with some new director that gets fired halfway through the production, they have to bring in Ron Howard to finish it, might not be any good. <laughs> yeah. So true. this is more of a sure thing. And so that's why it feels a bit more frustrating. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll stick the landing and they'll, they'll manage to dovetail all these characters together. In a, in a, I think they will sk- stick the landing. Remember who you're talking about. Like this I don't know. Is, it just, it just feels. It just feels like you've got like 40 characters now, and I don't think there's any way, even with 26 episodes, even with 20 episodes remaining, that they could, they could give all those characters I, like a meaningful arc. I think they can. I think they can. Yeah. Because there were characters even in season two that got shortchanged. We talked about how Tim and Cassie only had a couple of speaking roles in season two and didn't really get any kind of development like they were just kind of they were kind of there cassie got the thing where she got to show her stuff a little bit when they went undercover in bialia um and she remember she caught the plane when it was flying out of the hangar at the yeah. end and then the moment at the end where they um they, it's revealed that they've become a couple or whatever but that's it that's not really like tim didn't really have an arc in that season he didn't really have much to do and now he's old news right so i don't know i feel like there there are certain characters that are just there to be kind of walk-ons i think yeah, and I think we just kind of have to. I'm, I'm not sure they have an awesome Tim Drake story in mind. I think he's just there because he's Tim Drake, and they wanted to yeah. have him on the team. Like maybe there's maybe there's not going to be a major role for Tim Drake. Maybe there's not going to be a major role for Static or Tracy Thirteen. Maybe they're just there because they need bodies. You know, they want to show that the team is changing and evolving, and they've got new members and growing. And yeah, so they're putting sure. characters from the comics in there, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have that awesome bad? stories to tell. It's not bad. It's just because I because I know that there's hundreds of awesome Tim Drake stories you could tell. Yeah, <laughs> I want to see them tell them. You know. Yeah. Anyway, it's just that, that's that's my only gripe, but it's more it's more it's more just like wanting more than it is. <laughs> yes. Having issue with what's there. It's a selfishness for what is um already an awesome show to be even bigger so that you can consume more awesome awesome content. Yeah. That's a fair. <laughs> that's a fair desire. I can't I can't uh, throttle anybody for wanting more of this awesome awesome show. Um Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it and after the drought uh, that we just endured, we fans have just endured. I'm just thankful for every episode that we are enjoying right now, and I really do hope that they get a season four. And if that happens, I'll be extremely happy. And if further down the line your uh, deeper hunger is sated, then I'll be all the happier for that too. But I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna, mm, I'm not, I'm not gonna uh, fantasize about that happening just yet, just because. Getting this season three was hard enough, and so it didn't even enter my mind to want even more or imagine a world where we could get even more. Um, Yeah, but that's that. I'm enjoying it, and I'm enjoying all our shows. And if you want to reach out to us and share any of your thoughts and feelings, uh, we have an email address, mailbag at smartspodcast.com. On Twitter, we are at smartspodcast. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash smartspodcast. And our website is www.smartspodcast.com. How about a funny sound for us? I don't have one. How about recognize G7? 